Welcome to Steadfast Hope. I'm Stephen Lawson, president of One Passion Ministries. And four times a week, I teach through a portion of scripture to encourage you in your Christian walk. Join me now for this brief devotion in God's Word. Well, good morning. You've tuned into Steadfast Hope. I'm excited to be able to spend this time with you. Uh, we're coming to you from Herb's house, Dallas, Texas. I've got Kent Stainback on my side here. And this is going to be a great study. I'm going to tell you why. Because I am so humble today. <laughs> and the reason I am so humble is I played golf with Kent yesterday. And I played like a dog. I, I, I played awful. So God is opposed to the proud. He gives grace to the humble. There is not one drop of pride in me right now. I am, I'm playing handball against the curb. I, I, I played so bad yesterday. So this is going to be a great study because God is going to help me because I am so humbled right now. Kent knows that's true. All right, I've got a great study for us. Philippians 4, verse 1. So take your Bible, turn with me to Philippians 4, verse 1. I'm going to read the text. We're going to dive right into this. All right, I'm hitting off the ladies' tees right now. So, all right, Philippians 4, verse 1. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I'm calling this devotion uh, Thick Skin, Tender Heart. Thick Skin, Comma tender heart. And what we see here with the Apostle Paul is that a spiritual leader, can't you're an elder in the church, a spiritual leader must be someone who has a thick skin and a tender heart. Uh, he, you must have thick skin in order to handle the problems that come your way, to face the enemies that you must confront, to fight the battles spiritually, but at the same time, be so affectionate and tender-hearted towards the flock and, and loving towards the believers. And only the Lord can give you these two really extremes. And what's true of a leader is true of really every believer in the body of Christ. So you need to pray and ask that the Lord would give you a thick skin and a tender heart. So... I want to just hop right into this because Paul exemplifies this and just still big picture, thick skin. He's, he's, he's in the battle for souls and, and to guard the truth. That comes out in the stand firm. That, that means that, that people are trying to push the believers away from the truth. You've you got to drop anchor, hold your ground with deep convictions in the truth. But at the same time, Paul calls them the beloved uh, uh, brethren. So, enough. Let's just dive into this. Three main headings that, that I want to set before you. And the first is how Paul regarded them. Please, please note how Paul regarded them in this very special way. He begins, therefore, my beloved brethren. Uh, he calls them brethren. Uh, meaning... They've come from the, physically, in a family, you come from the same womb, you have the same father, you, you grow up and share the same experiences, and you're just welded together in, in a family. 
And it's the same true, that's true spiritually. We have been born again by the same Holy Spirit to have the same Father, to go through the same experiences um, of walking in a manner worthy of our calling. We have the same Word of God that guides us. And so we understand why Paul would call them my beloved brethren. And the fact that he calls them beloved, well, what a tender way to, to refer to fellow believers. Uh, those brethren who are especially loved. That, that's how Paul refers uh, to the Philippians. Now, the second thing I want you to, to note is how Paul loved them. Not only how he regarded them, but how he loved them. And we see that he says, how I long to see my joy and crown. Um, you know, I don't know if Paul was an introvert or an extrovert, really what his personality type was, but whatever it was, there was a longing in his heart to be with the brethren, to see the brethren. And one thing that just pops into my mind, if you're a true believer, you're, you're going to be in church, and you're going to be with the brethren because you have a special affection for them. And when, it's, when you're away from church, it, it really shows a lack of love for the brethren, also for the Lord, as far as that goes, unless you're providentially hindered. And I realize we've just come through a period of time, and many of us are still in that, where we have been providentially hindered. But nevertheless, Paul longs to see the Philippians. Now, let me just remind us, he was the founding pastor of this church. Uh, Paul preached the gospel, and God opened Lydia's heart, and next thing you know, the Philippian jailer is converted, and, and there is a, a, a church that is formed, and, and Paul has been separated from them, and he now remembers them. Uh, in fact, he said in chapter 1, verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. He cannot get them off of his mind. Uh, they, they are so special to him, and he longs to see them. And this, this verb, long, uh, is a very intense compound word in the original language, and it, and it speaks of a strong desire that is marked by intense affection. They have such a special place in, in Paul's heart. And in my translation, to see is supplied by the translators, not in the original. It's just whom I long. The ESV translates it, who, who, whom I long for. And, and that's a good way to, to put it. So, you and I need to be asking God to cultivate our longing to be with other believers. Uh, our spiritual lives function better when we are in fellowship. With, with other believers. When their strength becomes our strength, we weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice, we minister to one another, uh, and Paul is, is wanting to be with them so that even they can minister to him as he ministers to them. It's always a two-way street, isn't it? Now, he refers to them as my joy and my crown. Wow, their hearts must have been so encouraged when this letter came to Philippi. Like, are you kidding me? The Apostle Paul 
would say that I am his joy and, and his crown, that's exactly what he's saying. That they bring such excitement to his heart as he learns of their spiritual growth and progress, as he reflects upon the time of their conversion when he was with them, his heart is just overflowing with joy. And surely there are other believers in your spiritual life that bring such joy uh, to you just as you are with them, as you worship with them at church, as you're in a small group Bible study with them, as you're in a small prayer group with them, as you interact with them, how your heart just is filled to, to, to be flooding over with joy. That's what other believers bring to our hearts. And then, this is unbelievable, it calls them my crown. Are you kidding me? Uh, it's, it's the word Stephanos, um, which means the, the, the victor's crown at the end of the uh, competitive races. And what Paul is saying, on the last day, the only crown I want is to see you be crowned. You will be my crown to see you be crowned. He's just pouring his life into them. It, it was not about Paul. It, it was about these Philippians. So, I just trust that you're in a circle of believers in your church and even outside of your church who you can say, they are my joy and they are my crown. Now, this leads us to third, and I need to move into this quickly, uh, how Paul instructed them. He says, in this way, meaning as those who are in the same family with him, and they are in his heart, he says to them, stand firm. Now, that's a very masculine word, stand firm. Certainly women exemplify this as well. It's a military term. And it really it was spoken by a commanding officer to his subordinate soldiers as they would find themselves on the battlefield and the enemy would be coming against them so strongly. Hold your position. Do not retreat. Stand firm. It's in the imperative mood. This is a command. It's in the present tense. They must be always standing firm. And the reason is, they are facing some enemies there in Philippi. Just like every church faces enemies, every believer is in spiritual warfare. And just a few verses earlier, at the end of chapter 3 and verse 18, please note, Paul talks about enemies of the cross of Christ. Do you see that in your Bible? And, and these enemies of the cross of Christ were the false teachers the Judaizers who had come into the church at Philippi after Paul had left and they had brought their false gospel and false teaching and said you've got to be circumcised in order to be saved, you've got to be circumcised in order to be converted. And earlier in chapter 3 and in verse 2, Paul calls them out and says beware of the dogs. Paul spares no, no words, minces no words. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. And, and so, in light of them, Paul is saying to the believers, you've got to stand firm. And you cannot 
allow them to move you away from your doctrinal fidelity. And, and they are your mission field. Don't let them turn you into their mission field. So stand firm. And how are they going to stand firm? He adds, in the Lord. You can't stand firm in your own strength and in your own wisdom and in your own power. It is only as you stand firm in the Lord. And we all need to be reminded of this, that it's in the strength that the Lord provides. We stand firm in the truth of the Lord and in the wisdom of the Lord. And he, he then wraps it up by calling them my beloved. And so he ends this verse the way he began this verse with the tender heart, but in the middle is the thick skin standing firm against these dogs who are coming in to spread their spiritual filth in the church. You stand firm at the front door of the church and don't let them penetrate the fellowship and the thinking uh, there in Philippi. So, Kent... Um, you and I both need to be men who are marked by thick skin to be in the battle for the truth and to hold our position and to urge others in the church to hold their position and at the same time to be so affectionate um, to individual believers in the church. So may God do this in me. May God do this in each and every one of us as Paul has told us to imitate him in the Christian life as he imitates Christ. So, Kent, I, I hope that there are some questions that uh, have come in. I didn't notice you looking at your phone as much. Uh, you, I'm sure you were just captivated. I was captivated. Yeah. We, have, we had a lot of questions, oh, good, Steve. I was good. just listening to you. Yeah, okay. I to hear. <laughs> uh, that was great. Um, so, here's a good question. I think people are going to want to know in your life how yeah. this has helped you. And so they say... Thank you. God bless you. And the question is, what people and experiences have been most impactful in your ability to stand firm and yet be tenderhearted? Yeah. The first person who comes to my mind immediately is my wife. And I remember one time a church I was pastoring. I was pastoring a huge church, something like 5,000 members. And they mm -hmm. were so, so many of them were so bitter towards me as I preached verse by verse through the Word of God. So they didn't want the Word? They Is didn't that want what the it? Word they of God. They just didn't want it. They didn't want it. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was thinking, maybe I'm in the wrong place. Mm. And I remember being in the kitchen one evening and talking about this with my wife, and I remember her saying, we're not going to turn this church over to rogues. And she was standing so firm. Wow. And my helpmate just helped put steel into my backbone. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, no, we're not going to turn this church over to a bunch of reprobates. Mm -hmm. No, we're going to stand firm in the truth. This is Christ's church. Um, certainly John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul, mm -hmm. who have been really the two leading mentors in my spiritual life. They were both really strong men. They, huh? they, they were contenders for the faith. Mm -hmm. And I think that one reason we bonded together is because of our tenacity for the truth. 
and to, to, to stand firm for justification by faith alone, mm. uh, to stand firm for the inerrancy of Scripture, to stand firm for the exclusivity of salvation in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so those two men have modeled for me mm -hmm. um, what it is to do what Paul is calling for the church mm -hmm. in Philippi. So those, those would be the best examples. I, I've had many other examples. I've had elders in, in churches uh, that I've pastored who have stood shoulder to shoulder yeah. with me. And there's a strength in having other godly elders just like bookends yeah. on both sides of you. And I, I think uh, knowing John, he's also ex one of the kindest... <laughs> sweetest man. You just wouldn't believe it. Would he, you? he really wouldn't believe it. I mean, he, he's, he's like a, a bulldog in the pulpit yeah. and he's like a teddy bear. Yeah. He is such, uh, so at, kind. At, out of the pulpit and, and tenderhearted. So tenderhearted. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is so gracious with everyone with whom he comes in contact. So yeah, patient, he is. unbelievable, uh, unbelievable. And, and the same could be said for, for RC. So they have exemplified for me these two juxtapositions, mm -hmm. yeah. thick skin, tender heart. All right, Steve, another question. Yeah. A lot of us feel that, say, that, that obviously church is a safe harbor. We want to be with other Christians. Is Paul, how much is Paul saying that Satan is, is in the church? <laughs> yeah. When we come, yeah. are we blinded? Do we realize that? Are, sure. What is Paul saying here about that? No, absolutely. No, uh, Satan many times joins churches. Uh, he certainly does through unconverted church members because uh, they, are, uh, they are of their father, the devil, John eight forty four. But also, and Satan th uh, uh, sows tares among the wheat, but he also comes in with his um, insidious false doctrine Hmm. Uh, sometimes through people who don't even realize it. Remember when Jesus addressed Peter, mm -hmm. uh, Jesus said to Peter, I must go to the cross and I'll be raised on the third day. And, and Peter goes, may it never be, Lord. And Jesus says, get behind me, yeah. Satan. Wow. And so there are even um, converted people who are well-meaning like Peter who become the, the entrance for Satan to speak into um, an elders meeting, into a deacons meeting, into a Sunday school class, and, and, and that person doesn't, did not realize it and does not intend it, but that what J. Vernon McGee would call stinking thinking ju just entered the room. Wow. And the devil prowls about as a roaring lion Even seeking someone to devour also the devil feeds the flesh of people who want the place of preeminence. Um, they weren't asked to sing a solo or they weren't asked to do this and they get their feelings hurt and then that festers and the devil just begins to push that till the next thing you know, uh, there's a, a church fuss and, and we were talking about this yesterday, the very next verse in Philippians, Paul says, I urge Euodia and I urge Seneca to live in harmony in the Lord. I mean, those were two women who couldn't get along in the church, and they're surrounded by circles of relationships, and pretty soon this is affecting the whole church. Well, I can assure you the devil is in the middle of that and, and pouring gas on the fire and, and stirring that up. And so that happens 
in churches and yeah. broken relationships. I yeah. wish it wasn't so, yeah. Yeah. but it is. And I think he does his greatest damage to the church inside the church wow. rather than from persecution from the outside. The church has always been strongest from persecution outside the church. It's wow. almost like, please bring it on. Yeah. It makes us set our roots deeper. But when it's inside, it's like guerrilla warfare. Yeah, wow. you, you don't really sense where it's mm -hmm. coming from. And it's, more, it's really more dangerous. What else I, you got, All right, Ken? so last question here, yeah. and it's, it's, a, it's, it's running through a number of questions. Uh-huh. How do you find the balance? How do, how, how do we do this? How do we find the balance in being firm, thick skin, and yet being kind and loving mm -hmm. and aware? You've got to have the right examples. Mm -hmm. And it begins with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. There was no one who had thicker skin and a tender heart than the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you read Matthew 23, Jesus being thick-skinned with the Pharisees. Woe unto you, brood of vipers. Then at the same time, he speaks to those who are crushed under the blows of life and lifts them up and says to them, Go and sin no more, your sins are forgiven. So, the right example it begins with Christ him, Himself. The second is, I think it speaks to how much we must walk in the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit and for the fruit of the Spirit to be produced mm -hmm. in our lives because it really is supernatural. Mm -hmm. It's not natural. We tend to go to one extreme or the other, mm -hmm. uh, like a grandfather clock swinging from one extreme to the other, and it's only the Holy Spirit who can allow both of these to be operative at the same time in our lives. Because in any given, let's say, one hour period of time, you're going to need both mm -hmm. within any 10-minute period of time sometimes. Uh, you, you, you need uh, to, to have both uh, operative. And so that's, it's something that God must do in us. And that's why in Philippians 2.13, Paul recognize, recognizes that it is God who is at work within you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Kent, thank you. Those, those are great questions. You're such a help. You were a help to me yesterday. I just wasn't I, as teachable Steve, as I should have been. I just read been. the questions. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> so um, I, I can assure you when we're back Monday... I'll still be in this mode of humility from, from our <laughs> golfing yesterday. So, thank you. I'll be preaching at Trinity Bible Church of Dallas uh, this Sunday at the end of John chapter 8. If you'd like to hear a full exposition of Scripture, please uh, go on trinitybibledallas.org. Would love for you to hear me preach uh, John chapter 8. We'll be back Monday morning here for Steadfast Hope. God bless you. Stand firm with steadfast hope. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Steadfast Hope. If this was helpful to your Christian walk, please leave us a review wherever you listen to this show. And if you want to connect on social media, I can be found at Dr. Stephen J. Lawson or at One Passion Ministries. Thank you for listening. And I hope you will join me again for the next episode of Steadfast Hope.